Hello and welcome to the One Football Podcast. So we are back with the Women's Football Podcast. Now on Monday, it was International Women's Day. So with this in mind, we have an all-female panel. So joining me is Her Football Hub's Megan Hughes. Thanks for joining us, Megan. Thanks so much for having me. No worries. And we have Manchester United Women's Supporters Club founder, Natalie Burrell. How's it going, Nat? Um, It's good. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. No worries. Right, well, let's crack on because... It is all to play for in the Women's Super League at the moment. And there were some very good results over the weekend. Um, so starting off with uh, Man City against Everton, Manchester City managed to maintain their 100% record over Everton as they got a 1-0 victory. Neither side managed an attempt on target until Kira Walsh's 20-yard strike on 81 minutes. Um, now, this wasn't the normal Manchester City, was it? They were arguably below par which I'm sure was a great thing for you and I to see (laughs) yeah it was good to see from a Man United perspective I think I was uh, watching it thinking you know they're going to drop points so they're going to drop points we had uh, already won early in the day so I was very getting a bit happy about that but obviously you know that's the sign of a good team to win a game when you're not playing well and like you say it's about the 80th minute when she scored the first shot on target and they've walked away with three points Definitely. Now, at at times, I think you could argue, and this isn't me being biased, but I think you could argue that City was second best. I think especially at the beginning of the game. um, And then as the game went on, obviously, it's City. They did begin to dominate the possession. Um, Megan, do you think that Everton were unlucky to not get something from the game? Yeah, absolutely. I think their defensive performance was absolutely stellar um, at the weekend. They put in a right shift every single one of their back line. And, you know, obviously with the likes of Gabby George back as well, it was lovely to see her return from such a horrible injury. So if anything, yeah, I think Everton probably deserved a draw. A nil-nil draw probably would have been a fair result. But like Natalie has just said, it was ultimately uh, City showing their class at the end and managing to grab all three points. Yeah, definitely. Um, And also, it was Steph Horton's 200th game for Manchester City. Um, now, what do you make of her as a player? Because she is surely, you know, a great representation of how far the game has come, you know, looking at her career. Yeah, she started playing in 2002. She made a debut for England in 2007 and she started to captain England in 2014. And for people who don't really probably watch a lot of women's football, she is that standout face that everyone knows about, yeah. that everyone's sort of watching what she does. So, for me, it's a it's a great achievement to to play so many games in this league, and it keeps getting better, and she keeps playing of a good standard. Yeah, definitely, and congratulations to her, um, and congratulations to Manchester City. I guess I say through uh, gritty yeah. teeth, <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, I mean, looking at some of the other games, we've got West Ham against Chelsea, London derby. It was business as usual for Chelsea. Uh, Sam Kerr and Beth England were on target. Um, now, Sam Kerr had a slow start to the season. However, her performances do seem to have just got better and better. Megan, do you think that this is maybe in the back of her mind, that she had a bit of a slow start and she wants to make sure that she ends this season on a really good positive note? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, making the move to, to the WSL was huge for her. It was huge for women's football in general, really, wasn't it? The Australian powerhouse, getting to see her play in England was such an exciting prospect. So I think coming over, and I'm sure Sam was well aware of the pressure she had on her shoulders and what Chelsea and women's football fans in general expected of her. Um, potentially this affected her performances at the start of the season. But like you said, she's just um, gone from strength to strength and now is just one of the top performers in the WSL. And really, week in, week out, people just can't wait to see what she performs. Yeah, she is, what you know, 100% a brilliant player. And, uh, and I think we are lucky to have her um, in our league. Um, West Ham have now not won in four. They have eight points in total. At the point of us recording, they're at the bottom of the table. Nat, do you think they deserve to be there? To be honest, I do think they deserve. They've been very, very poor all season. I mean, they got rid of Matt Bade, and I thought that was a good move at the time. I thought, you know, he wasn't really winning a lot of games for them, but they've let Alicia Lehman go, who I think is a top quality player. They've let her go on loan to Everton, which I think was a massive mistake. Um, for me, they've brought in Ollie Harder, who's a very good manager, but he's not you know, WSL championship experience. For me, someone like Lee Birch, who's available now, that would be a better option. Or, you know, they were looking at Carla Ward. She would have been a fantastic option. And it just looks like it's sort of, I don't want to say doom and gloom, but it is all doom and gloom for them. I don't see how they're going to get out of it because Bristol are on a fantastic run now. And, you know, if I was a West Ham fan, I'd be really worried. Definitely. Um, it's, it's always... It is always sad when people get relegated. I think across football, men's and women's are part of me. Maybe because I've been lucky in that it's not normally Manchester United in the mix. But um, I don't know, Megan, you're a Newcastle fan, so I don't know if you can relate maybe. But when when teams are relegated, even if they've been rubbish, you still, I don't know, I always feel a little bit sorry for them. Like, oh no, but you know what, maybe it's something that they need to do, drop down a tier, you know, do the right work and then maybe get promoted back up. Um, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Sometimes, like you said, it is always disappointing to see teams relegated. But sometimes looking on uh, like a brighter side of things, it can be really beneficial for the team in the long run. Like you said, dropping down, regrouping, regathering, you know, getting some new personnel on board, some new players on board um, and really improving and working on themselves as a team in the championship which then hopefully they can bring back up to the WSL and, uh, you know, improve from there. Yeah, well, you know, fingers crossed for them if it does, if it is the case that they are relegated. Um, speaking of teams that do not have to worry about relegation, um, both Chelsea and Manchester City are in the mix in the Champions League. Um, as we are recording, uh, Chelsea have gone through. They have beaten Atletico Madrid, unfortunately. Um, as you all know, we do have spoken to Atletico Madrid defender Kylie Strom a few times. Um, I don't really know if it's safe to get her thoughts. I don't know how she'll be feeling, to be honest. Maybe wait until they've played Real Madrid and take it from there. Um, but, you know, both Chelsea and Manchester City are in the mix in the Champions League. Um, do you think, Megan, that an English team could win the competition? Because me and Nat were just talking about it. And you were saying, that, weren't you, that you feel like Manchester City could maybe have the edge on Chelsea. But, Megan, what do you think? Yeah, I think this is the best year out of any I can really recall where an English team have the best chance of winning. Um, I think Chelsea's performance domestically has really helped them in the Champions League this season. Um, they can, they've built a lot of confidence from all their success in the league. And I think they've 
taken that really well into the Champions League. And as you know, as we've just seen in the Atletico game, they've dominated. Even though it has been a tale of some crazy penalties, I think Chelsea did deserve to come out on top. So, yeah, I, I believe absolutely this year is better than any for a, an English team to go all the way in and take the title. Definitely. Um, and I think, you know, allegiances aside, I think it would be great to see, um, you know, especially after all the years that Leon have been dominating. Um, yeah. I, th- I think it would be good to see an English team win the competition. I would actually applaud it if the Manchester City women's team got the Champions League before the men's team, just saying. Um, that would yeah, make definitely. me very happy. Um, <laughs> But um, moving on to another game now, Manchester United against Aston Villa. Um, It was three points for Manchester United. They got a 3-0 win over Villa. Of course, prior to the game, United had suffered those painful back-to-back defeats. Nat, what did you make of the game and just how disappointing were those defeats? Do you think that that just gave the team an even bigger incentive to go on and win the game? Yeah, definitely. I think... You know, no one likes to be defeated. And like you said, it's painful. It was painful because we were sitting top for so long. Oh, and it was to, painful, to, wasn't it? Yeah, it was painful. So, I mean, no one really expected us to be top. No one expects us really to get the, the Champions League place. So I think this win, it's back to winning ways, back to how we used to. Uh, it was a nice, comfortable win. Uh, Lucy Staniforth looked really good on form. That's what we need. We need players on form you know, fighting for the badge because, as Casey says now, it's six cup finals and we're in Champions League football, three years old. And I just I hope they can they can pull it all out and put everything on the line now to, to get over the line and get Champions League qualification. Oh, fingers crossed, just the idea of it makes me want to cry tears of joy. Like, seriously. <laughs> I'm excited for it. I'm excited oh, for it, definitely. I know. Um, now, Villa did not manage a single shot on target. They remain four points above the relegation zone. Megan, obviously talking about West Ham, do you think that they are in real danger here? I think there's danger really for all the teams at the bottom. There's such little budge room at the bottom of the WSL table at the minute, which makes it more exciting for the neutral and obviously a lot more nerve-wracking for those supporting the teams at the bottom of the table. I think, of course, there's real danger for Villa. Um, especially, as Nat said, Bristol have started this incredible form in the league. I think they've really got to now focus in their last remaining games of the season, just grinding out those performances, grinding out the results and getting points wherever they can. You know, it doesn't have to be pretty. It doesn't have to be, you know, some amazing football. It just has to be about the results if they want to carry on into the WSL for next season. Yeah, I agree with that point as well. Like, it doesn't matter how you win. Sometimes you have just got to get that win whichever way you, you manage to do it. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, and um, I mean, uh, I, I don't want to tempt fate, but if United finish outside of the top three, is it still a successful season in your eyes? It will be tough. It will be upsetting, I think sitting top for so long I mean we were top in October all the way in through to January it would be really upsetting for myself and all the fans and I'm guessing the players the management but we need to look at where we are we've we've started in 2018 we were in the championship we came up last year and it was cut short because of Covid so this is our first full season um, with no distractions I mean what's really I think holding us back is Covid because you know we can't have the fans in there you can't have the the roar of the crowd to push you on and I think all players are missing it but I think that's a big factor of our um, club having such you know loyal fans going home and away supporting singing and 
you know, we can tell that they miss it. So for me, it would be disappointing and I would be really upset. It wouldn't be the end of the world. We'd have to move on, come back from it. So it's, it's a hard one. Um, it won't, yeah, like I said, it wouldn't be the end of the world, but, you know, I think we've got to get that third. Uh, that's, that's you know, it's a target at the start of the season and it should be the target still now. Like she said, Casey, six cup finals, just take it. However we get it, one nil wins off someone's leg, you know, yeah. big toe in the goal. It doesn't matter. you just got to get those wins and, you know, next year we'll be listening to Champions League music, travelling, hopefully everyone can travel around and, you know, we can really cement ourselves as the biggest club in the world, in the mm. women's side now. Definitely. And I mean, you just talking about the, the fans and everything, obviously, you know, you have a massive, massive role in the, in the Women's Supporters Club for Manchester United. And, um, you know, I've been to a couple of games. I remember I went to the first game and I was so happy to see how many fans showed up, even just for that first game, you know, um, because I've been to where Manchester United women's team play. It's the same as like the under 23 men's team and stuff like that. So I'd been a couple of times before and it was such a great sight to see it uh, filled up. And it must be, um, you guys must be counting down the days until you guys can go back into the ground, surely. Definitely. I can't wait. It's going to be like a fanfare. It's going to be like, heaven I think you know <laughs> Christmas come early when it comes because you know we've missed basically the whole season and there's been some fantastic moments I mean Tobin Heaves wonder strike versus Man City that is a standout and that deserved fans coming back like that 2-0 down to 2-2 that moment deserved fans and I mean that moment could have spurred them on 3-2 winning it you know with fans but like you say every club's missing fans the women's game it needs fans and I think because we've not had any for, for a whole year. I think there's that excitement. It is building back up. And I think it's going to be like mega attendances when we're going back. I can see, you know, records being smashed uh, because everyone's sort of behind their women's teams now, seeing it's the same as men's football. It doesn't matter. It's Man United, you know, and, yeah. you know, they're, they're just as good. So you should come and support. And like you say, it is a bit further out, but, you know, hopefully, you know, when they have fans, maybe they might have a game at Old Trafford and to see a full Old Trafford for them girls, I'd be so excited. I'd be so buzzing. I'd love it. <laughs> Definitely. I mean, to be honest, where where I live, it's actually only down the road. So if anything, <laughs> it's probably easier for me yeah. than the, the yeah. trek to Old Trafford. Um, but, uh, well, at the moment, obviously, I don't live in the UK, so it's definitely difficult to get to a game. But, um, I mean, and, and lastly, um, we'll take a look at the Birmingham City against Arsenal game. Um, you know, it was another team, you know, looking for that third spot finish in Arsenal. They managed that 4-0 win over Birmingham. They looked good. I mean, first off, let's talk about uh, Vivienne Miedema's brilliant effort. It was probably the best goal of the game, you know, out of the four. This season, we've seen so much great football and so many impressive individual performances. But, Megan, do you think that she's still the best player in the league? Or would you maybe be giving that award to somebody else this season? That's, I feel that's a really difficult one. Yeah. You know, if we're going to look at goals, then obviously, yes, yeah, she's leading 
um, you know, the, the race for the golden boot at the minute with 14 goals. So if we're looking solely at that, then obviously she's worth the weight in gold. And I think we all know that from Rita Marsh. She's incredible. And, you know, as proved her goal at the weekend, it was amazing. But I think speaking more generally in terms of her performance this season on the whole, obviously Arsenal won this weekend against Birmingham and they won previously against Villa. But before that, they had two season-defining games, which they lost, you know, the 3-0 loss to Chelsea and that 2-1 loss to Man City. And... What I look for when I'm thinking of the best player of the season so far is someone who's that game changer, someone who, you know, takes takes the game and makes it go the way they want. And she didn't, well, not just Miedemar in general, but the whole team didn't really turn up for those performances. The, the game is that Arsenal knew they needed to get a, a win out of if they wanted to challenge for the title this season. So if we're talking about the best in the league so far, I probably would say no. Even though she's got a really impressive goal-scoring record, I look for more who can who you know who comes off the bench or who starts the game and makes a real difference and when I think uh, along those lines I'm thinking more of your Fran Kirby's yeah more of your Penilla Harders because consistently time and time again this season they've come on or they've been on the pitch and they've made that difference and I think that's why Chelsea's leading the table at the minute because they have that sort of personnel who can come on and do that and I just don't think as at the moment Miedemar's really had that sort of influence on the game. Yeah, no, I, I would probably agree with you on that one in that she's always there in the mix. And like you say, you cannot deny the amount of goals that she scores. But yeah, I think maybe there the, you could argue that, yeah, there is a little bit of a shift in looking at some, some of these players, like the ones that you've mentioned, um, who bring great things to the table as well. And I guess it's just good that we've got that many talented players to to pick from really um yeah absolutely i think we're com we're sport for choice yeah. in the wsl at the minute which i think it, we're so lucky to be able to see these sorts of players so you know what a great question that i'm able to um and ah and pick between all these incredible uh players that we have playing at the minute yeah definitely yeah. Um, i don't think you can look beyond someone like tobin heath uh sam yeah. Mewis. i think they've had massive impacts on their club as well i mean rose lavelle's coming up and having a good good few games as well I think Absolutely. the Americans what they've done uh, the way they've sort of I think transformed this league you know sort of trying to bring it onto the next level and added an extra dynamic of competition and excitement um, and yeah Miedemar she's she's usually the top and usually winning all the accolades but you know it's it's uh, other players are laying down the gauntlet now to her yeah definitely. Um, definitely now Arsenal have a game in hand on United they could yet take that third place, even though I hope they don't. You know, if they continue playing so well, you never know. But they are still at this moment in time, six points off United. Nat, are you worried about Arsenal or are you feeling confident? Uh, we have to play Arsenal. And like you say, they have a game in hand. Our next game is against Arsenal next Friday, something this Friday, next Friday, uh, at their ground. So... For me, if we get any kind of point, any kind of result from that game, I think... You know, you can never say never, but I think it's pretty much confirmed because then it'll be in our hands. If they get the points, then I'm going to be really nervous going into it. Uh, I know they have to play Everton, I think, still. So we'll be looking at other teams to take points. Uh, they've not been, really been on that great form. Arsenal, yes, they are playing better now, but they've just recently played Aston Villa and Birmingham, who are towards the bottom. Um, whereas, you know, we've had City, Reading, and yes, we have had Aston Villa. But for me... It's going to be all down to that one game. And I don't like to put it all on one game, but, you know, as a neutral, everyone's looking at it. It's going to be the game that sort of defines it. 
Um, and like you say, if we can get a big three points, we've already beaten them this season. I think we know how to beat them. I think sort of all the other top teams have beaten them. I think they got a draw versus Chelsea. But, you know, there is sort of like that blueprint of how to beat them. If you press them high, um, if you don't sort of give them the space, then, you know, you can take advantage of them and it's going to be down to that game. And I'm, I'm nervous for that game. I, I, but I have utmost confidence in Casey Stoney that she is going to, you know, have a tactic set out perfectly. Um, yes, we've got really bad injuries at the moment, but I still think that the team that we have can go there, get either a point or three points and it's, it be in our hands and we get the third spot that we deserve, in my opinion. Yes. <laughs> Exactly. Don't we deserve it? I like that word deserve. <laughs> now, for Birmingham City, it was a better game than the one against Manchester City. But Megan, do you think they're safe? They're only three points ahead of West Ham, who of course sit at the bottom. I think it's a difficult one, but I'd have to say on the whole, I reckon Birmingham Birmingham have got just enough to stay in the WSL this season. I think the appointment of Carla Ward was absolutely huge for the club. She, in my opinion, she's changed them so much in such a short amount of time. And I believe the way things are going, that they've got, you know, they've got what it takes. Um, I think their personnel as well, you know, the likes of Emily Murphy on loan from Chelsea, Jamie Lee Napier also on loan from Chelsea, Claudia Walker, who had a great start to the season, scoring lots of goals. I think with these sorts of names in their ranks and as long as they grind out the performances against the teams where they know they can compete, I think they've got just enough what it takes to, yeah, have another season in WSL. Yeah. Definitely. Well, you know what? Fingers crossed for them. Like I say, I don't like people to get relegated in general. <laughs> but um, of course, you know, a, a shout out to the other games, including Bristol City. They got a big win over Reading. Brighton managed that 2-0 victory over Spurs. Now players from both sides of this game, they warmed up in t-shirts bearing the name and squad number of Albion defender Rebecca Stott, who last week sadly announced that she's been diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma which I think was really, really touching to see. And obviously, here's hoping that she has, you know, a speedy recovery and she's back, you know, fighting fit again, um, most definitely. But I think that, you know, looking at this um, this Women's Super League this season, um, it's, it's going to be a great end to this season because I think it is really getting tight at the top. I mean, yes, you can argue that maybe Chelsea and City have got those first two spots. Yep, yeah, fair enough. But like we've discussed, that third place, it is getting so tight and it is so tense. And at the bottom as well, you know, anything could happen. So I wanted to get from both of you, who is your final top three and who do you see being relegated? So for me, my uh, top three, Chelsea first, City second, Man United third. Yeah. I'm always going to say that. <laughs> And then for me, I'm sorry, I can't see. And I'd, and I'd loved West Ham. It's a great club, but I, I can only see them. Um, unfortunately, I just think they've made a few bad decisions and, you know, this is going to be the consequence. Um, and I'd, it'll be lucky for Bristol, really good for them to come out. You know, everyone expected them. Everyone always expects them. And then they expected Birmingham. So I think they've done really good jobs. But yeah, unfortunately, West Ham, I can see them going down. Yeah, Natalie's hit the nail on the head there. That's exactly what my predictions are as well. Um, I think the form that Bristol are in at the minute, they've got what it takes. And I just don't see how West Ham have been playing recently. I don't see any inspiration. I don't see any fight. I don't see any great determination. I just, I can't see how they can make it out uh, that that bottom spot. 
And you know, what a story to see Matt Beard leave West Ham, take over the reins, Britannia Oxby at Bristol, and potentially see that team relegated whilst getting Bristol a, the great escape, if you will. Yeah, um, and I do, you know what, I would probably agree because just looking at some of the fixtures, you know, like West Ham, they've still got City to play, they've got um, Everton to play, you know, it's, oh, it's yeah, I'm, I'm sorry West Ham fans if you're listening, but I would probably have to agree in that um, I think it would take, and don't get me wrong, miracles do happen, we have seen it happen before, um, but I think it would take a lot for them to uh, to get out of that bottom spot. But like we said, maybe it will be a blessing in disguise for them. Um, but yeah, we've spoke about the Women's Super League, let's switch over to Europe now. Um, Going over to Germany, Bayern Munich hammered Freiburg five goals to one to keep their place at the top of the Frauen Bundesliga. So for Bayern, it's their 20th straight win in all competitions. They're unbeaten in the league, FYI for everybody. And some of the wins that they've had across all competitions, we've seen the likes of a 6-1, a 7-0, standard 13-0, light work, 8-0. I could go on and on. Nat, just how impressive is this Bayern Munich team? And do you think they have a strong chance in the Champions League as at the point of recording they have not played uh, this week's game? Yeah, I think they've definitely got a chance. I think it's great to see. Uh, I know that, you know, they're putting a lot more, you know, resources into the women's team and they've got a lot of quality players. Uh, I really love Cara Bull. She's uh, scored a great early goal, just got them off the mark. And the fourth goal by Linda Dalman. Oh, it was an absolute beauty curled into the corner. So for me, I think, you know, the league, I think they've got it won sort of now and I think they can just focus on the Champions League. Uh, obviously, it's going to be a tough ask. There's some top teams, Leon, Barcelona, Chelsea, like we just discussed. Um, but why can't they win it? You know, uh, Champions League, it's now at a knockout stage and, you know, you just have to win win your games. Um, if you go in there with the plan, anyone can beat anyone, I think. And I think, you know, if Bromby scored a goal against... Um, you know, that, that's a quite a low team against Leon, And then, you know, the way Chelsea, all their penalties, why can't someone like Bayern sort of look look towards that, look towards the teams that have been knocked out but think this is how we're going to win? And, you know, it's exciting Champions League in the women's side this time. And I definitely think someone other than Leon can has got a bigger chance this year of winning it. Yeah, definitely. I think they, they've definitely got such a strong chance. Um, obviously, they're five points clear at the top now with Wolfsburg behind them. Wolfsburg have dominated the league for so many years and it's kind of similar to the situation in France with Lyon who are now contending with PSG. Suddenly Wolfsburg, you know, they really are competing with Bayern Munich. Megan, do you think that this is surely a positive thing for women a positive thing for women's football, you know, to see these big teams um, you know, not just glide through as usual as in, you know, we're so used to seeing Wolfsburg and Lyon you know, just carry on as normal, business as usual. It is, you know, a positive thing to see that they're now being challenged by other big teams. Yeah, absolutely. It's all Competitive is always something you want to see in the game. And I think that's a credit to how far women's football's come. Like you said, you you normally have those one, two teams in the European leagues that are always dominating, you know, have the best funding, have invested in the best players. But now we're seeing other teams finally starting to catch up. And, uh, you know, the results are being proven in the table. So you always want a, a game on your hands when you're watching a game of women's football. And we're starting to see this more and more. I think especially with Wolfsburg, 
maybe their personnel has been a slight issue as to maybe why they're not on top of the league. You know, they've lost Canilla Harder, obviously the biggest name. Um, also the likes of Ingrid Engen. She's not. She's decided not to renew her contract at the end of um, it's it running out. So I think this has potentially um, been a reason as to why Wolfsburg aren't quite at the top spot where they're used to occupying. But of course, it's great to see all this competitiveness and it just makes women's football even that more exciting to watch. I, I totally agree with that, definitely. And it's it's nice to see, you know, when the when the new season starts, you know, you're not going to be looking at these tables thinking, yeah, pretty certain they'll win it, pretty certain they'll win it. You know, you're actually going into it thinking, mm. I don't know what could happen here. Um, yeah. Mm. Now, I mean, Megan just touched on it, you know, Wolfsburg have lost a couple of players. Um now, what do you think Wolfsburg need to do in order to try and keep up with this Bayern team? You know, like we've said, recruitment of new players seems to be important. Um, could you see any women's Super League players that could potentially make the move over there? Because even though they're not, you know, they're not at the top at the moment, Bayern, you know, are dominating, they're still a massive name in women's football. Oh, yeah, definitely. And obviously, they're going to be in the Champions League. They can uh, easily do things in the Champions League this season. So for me, I think... You know, any team, any players that are sort of on the periphery, maybe, of teams. So I sort of said, um, I know that uh, um, Megan's just said about um, them not having harder uh, anymore. But, you know, look at Beth England. She's sort of on the periphery of uh, Chelsea. And if she wants, you know, minutes week in, week out and playing for top Champions League club, then why not go to Wolfsburg? I've also yeah. sort of looked at maybe like Laura Coombs, someone who's on the periphery of Man City, might look at coming in at Wolfsburg. She's done quite well when she has played for Man City. So, you know, if if someone like that came, if they came in for her, then for me, someone like that should definitely be looking at going to a team like Wolfsburg. They're still a top club. They've got a lot of history. They've got really good fans. So for me, you know, it's not over for them. It's just the start. It's the beginning. Um, like you say, you want to see competition. You don't want to see it just being Leon, Wolfsburg, you know, Chelsea, Arsenal always winning the league. You want different teams coming up and that's what Bayern's doing. And, you know, it just needs Wolfsburg to now really step up their game and put more money into their women's team um, and, you know, get those top quality players that sort of everyone's going to be looking at. Definitely. And, and you know, here's hoping Wolfsburg are able to do that. Um I think also, you know, you touched on Beth England. I think that will be, you know, really interesting to see what happens with her career over the next couple of seasons because um, she's such a talented player and, you know, Chelsea have got a lot of talented players. So you can kind of understand why she maybe doesn't get all of the minutes that she possibly deserves. Um, And it'll be interesting to see if she maybe decides to make a move or sticks with it or definitely keep my eye on that one. Um, and finally, we shall head over to Italy, uh, virtually, not actually, unfortunately. Um, and it was, of course, Juventus against AC Milan. Um, on last week's podcast, we were talking about it. Uh, we were giving our predictions. It was Juventus who won by a whopping four goals to nil. Megan, were you expecting such a big result? I wasn't, to be honest. Me neither. I knew it was always going to be an incredible battle. Obviously, two top quality teams that you expect to see, you know, at the top of the Serie A anyway. But 4-0 was quite a golf. You know, Milan had come into the game with some good uh, results under their belt. So I did expect a more uh, close scoreline. But I think credit to Juventus, you know, they, they performed on the big occasion. They performed when they needed to. And four goals against, you know, the team that were also t- challenging for the title is... Um, it's some uh, some success for them. 
Definitely. I mean, maybe the men's team need to uh, take note, especially after uh, <laughs> the night they had uh, this week in the Champions Definitely. League. Um, now, Juventus are now six points clear. Mm-hmm. Is it safe to say that they've won the league? I think they can pop open the champagne now. Yeah, I think so. Obviously, they'll never say that. They'll be looking at, you know, other competitions. They've still got to play in the in the, in the the cup. So, you know, until it's over, I don't think any manager will say, you know, it's done. But I'm sure, you know, the fans will be celebrating. They'll be happy. Um, you know, they've not lost a game all season. I really rate um, Hertig, who's come in from Sweden. Um, she's a top quality player and, you know, she's one to watch out for me in the future. She's going to do great things. But, yeah, I think... You know, they just need to keep keep doing what they're doing. I think, in a way, they, like we were saying before about other teams, Juventus is sort of that team that always sort of dominates, in a way, in Italy. And it's on all the other teams now to step up to the plate. I mean, looking at Juventus, um, Barbara Bonancia, she had a really good game. Um, if my sources are correct, it was her eighth goal this season. Um, and she became the second player at Juventus's women's team to score 50 goals across all competitions. Megan, what do you make of her as a player? I mean, I think those stats speak for themselves, really. Um, clearly, she's been such a pivotal player to Juventus's campaign this season and such a pivotal player in general. I mean, she's a bit of an Italian powerhouse, isn't she? She's always pulling Italy through, you know, been really important in their qualification for the Euros, really important in their um, World Cup run. I think she's just such a crucial and important player to Italy. She's always a joy to watch on the pitch. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, there's some of those names in that Juventus team, you do just look and think, oh, if I could have one or two of those players for my team, (laughs) it would be brilliant. Um, Now, for AC Milan, obviously, it didn't go to plan. Um, Juve with a better team, of course. I think a four-nil win. I think you've got to admit that. I think they actually did on their uh, on their website. Um, but now, are there still positives for them to take from this season? Because they've not actually been functioning as a team for that long. Probably similar to United, actually. Yeah. So obviously, you know, sitting second, it's not it's not anything to be ashamed of. They'll be in Champions League. Um, you know, they're in a the semi final against Inter. It's going to be a big, massive game for them. Um, and so for me, I think, you know, they can see this season as a positive. They've got some good players in there. Natasha Downey joined them recently, and I know she's been scoring a few goals. So um, for me, you know, it's it's just back to the drawing room board, look at how they can improve next season. But, you know, as long as they keep going the way they're going, um, you know, it's going to be good things for Milan soon. Yes. Um, and again, like you say, like you mentioned before, that competitiveness and, they just have to continue stepping up to this plate. And I think, you know, they've they've got close to Juventus. Maybe next season they'll get a little bit closer. Who knows? Um, but yeah, well, that was good chatting about all of those games. Um, as always, on the Women's Football Podcast, we have our hot topic. And this week, of course, our hot topic is International Women's Day, which it was on Monday. Um, people are pretty much celebrating all week, I think, uh, all over the world, and rightly so. Um, so I just wanted to start off asking you both, which women inspire you and, you know, which women do you see as role models, whether that's just footballers or you want to shout out to people in your life? Uh, start with you, Megan. I think in the world of football, for me, it's got to be Alex Scott. Um, yeah. Both what she's achieved on and off the pitch. I think she's just such a shining light for women, for women in sport, for women in football 
obviously, you know, she's come across so much adversity recently. And I think she's had her fair share of um, stick for doing a role that she's absolutely excelled at. And she's proved herself time and time again, whether that be on the football field or her knowledge of football, being a pundit or a commentator. I think she's just amazing. And she's such a great role model for any girls wanting to pursue football or a career in football media, for example. Um, and being able to see her on the TV, I think that exposure as well is so important. You know, being visible, uh, I think, is really important in the world of football for women. Um, and I think, yeah, she's just amazing. Yeah, definitely agree. How about you, Nat? Um, I think if for football, for me, it's uh, Casey Stoney. Um, I think taking this team from nothing, basically having nothing, getting 21 players in, winning a league, coming up uh, to the Super League, finishing fourth. Uh, season's cut short, so you know all your players don't play, but probably don't get to to you know play some games that you would have wanted to for the players. Uh, and then this season, sitting top for a good three months, four months, um, and now you know we're in that battle for third that no one expected us to be. I think she's definitely one. But I think outside football. Um, I don't want to go too controversial, but I think just what's going on recently in England, uh, Meghan Markle, for me, she's an inspiration because I'm yeah. a mixed-race female. She's a mixed-race female, and, you know, I feel what she's going through. I've been through, you know, similar things, obviously not with with exact things, but, you know, I know how she feels. I know it can be tough, and, you know, I think just her speaking out and saying her truth is, is, is great for me, and it's, it's good to see people supporting her. Yeah, definitely. And I think I'd probably take from both of those, I would definitely, you know, Meghan Markle, the situation that's been going on, um, you know, 100% massive, massive role model for um, for mixed race women, black women all over the world. Um, and I would also probably agree with Alex Scott because I feel like she, you know, there's been so much criticism of um, women that are working in football media. You know, Ian Wright's spoken about it, about how it's just ridiculous how much hate women get. Um, you know, and, I, and I'm sure all of us being football fans, are, um, you know, and working within football, etc., in some capacity, like, you, everybody seems to have a story that they've experienced something in some way. I know I definitely do. Um, so to see someone like Alex Scott, you know, she keeps grinding, she keeps working. She doesn't let the hate bother her. I think it's really admirable. And I guess for me, I mean, I've, I've got to shout out my mother because I know that she will listen to this podcast. So definitely <laughs> big up to Jackie. Um, and I think um, with, as a, a, a footballer, I really relate, not relate, but I, I guess relate in some ways to um, Barcelona's player. And I can relate to her, but I always seem to pronounce her name incorrectly, so forgive me, um, <laughs> in Asiat Oshuala. So, um, you know, she's a Nigerian woman who really struggled to kind of continue football as a career. Um, her parents were not really happy about it. One day they finally accepted, like, okay you're a girl, you want to play football professionally, let's, you know, let you, you go and do that. But that was after she won the Under-20 World Cup. Um, and I think she'd won the Golden Ball um, and the Golden Boot. Um, and she, you know, she's done interviews and she's described that moment as being so amazing. And she also talks about um, how supportive her grandmother was. Um, and me personally, I my nana was super, super supportive of me as well. And she talks about her grandmother and how she was always there for her 
and was always bigged her up for playing football and supported her 100% in her career. Um, and I think both my mother and my grandmother definitely have done that for me as well. Um, so, yeah, I think for me, she's definitely um, a player that I would see as a role model. And I think it's going to be really interesting to see how her career pans out. And, you know, to be, you know, a girl from Nigeria where everybody's kind of turning turning the nose up at you and saying you're not going to be a professional footballer. And she's playing for Barcelona now. So uh, I think that she proved That's everyone true. wrong. <laughs> yeah. Um, and again, you know, like talking about women's football, of course, International Women's Day, etc. Um, I just wanted to get both of your thoughts in that. What does football mean to you guys? And how does it make you feel to see how much women's football is growing? Um, for me, it's like a community. That's what it means. And I think I've never known how much it means since it's been taken away. Yeah. And I can't go and watch. And, you know, the pandemic, it shut everything down. But I think football was the one thing that I missed the most. I mean, I'm so glad it's on the telly now and I can watch it. But I still miss being in there, being being able to watch it live. Um, so uh, that's what I really am missing. I'm really sorry, I just forgot what you said. Um, I was saying about what it means to you, which obviously you've just said, but how how mm. does it make you feel, I guess, seeing how much the sport is growing? Oh, it's fantastic as well to see how much it's growing because, um, you know, it's what they deserve. It's what these girls deserve. And I know you talked about it earlier, about being at the game and, and seeing it. And for me, I think it's you know, Manchester United. I'm, I'm a big Manchester United fan, but I like to go and watch all women's football. But I want to see, you know, stadiums full for everyone you know because it's what they deserve they put in so much effort um time practice determination these girls a lot of them you know work as well or of have course. worked before and you know they don't have it e as easy as the men so for me just having that support for them and seeing it grow and seeing people excited for it it just means the world and you know I'm, I can't wait to see it grow even more and like I say I, I'm, I'm I'm really excited to to be back and counting down to it because I think it's just going to be even better when we come back. Definitely how about you Megan? No yeah I absolutely agree with everything that's been said and I think really one word that make that I feel is just proud I'm just yeah. so proud to see where we've come. And I think it's really fitting as well, the 100-year anniversary of the ban on women's football being lifted, how far we've come in 100 years, how much we were stinted and pushed back by this ban. And, you know, how I think people forget how sex successful women's football was before this ban. Yeah. You know, we had tens of thousands of people coming to these games. Women's football was, you know, it was going from strength to strength. So then to have to go to start from go from 100 to zero like that and have to rebuild all the hard work that you've done. I think it's such a credit to everyone that anyone who's worked in women's football, no matter what position it's been. I think it's just such it's such a sense of pride and achievement for myself. And I mean. You know, on a personal level, I've played football since the age of six. Football has been my lifeline. You know, it's been, you know, that it helped my mental health so much. It's been able to take my mind off of things. I've had to make plenty of sacrifices, just like women, female footballers all over the world have had to. You know, I can remember receiving university offers on the way to training. But to me, women football was that release for me. And it was that one thing that could take my mind off everything that was going on. And I just love it. So being able to see that emulated on the pitch. And, you know, like Natalie said, it's such a shame that we can't be there in person because of the pandemic. 
but I just think it's gone from strength to strength and it's only on the up, isn't it? The trajectory is just so impressive and we can see that with all the new deals being signed and all the new sponsorships and, you know, record-breaking transfer deals. It's just record-broken, records are being broken one after the other and I think that's such a positive thing and I can only just see a bright future for women's football. So, yeah, it just makes me proud. Yeah, I I definitely agree with that, that, that feeling of pride. Um I think when you're reading more and more about it, you're seeing it. Obviously, you know, we all um, consume football media to extents um, and to see more and more, you know, women's football coming into those medias in ways you're not having to... We still have to go and search for things. Um, you know, we mm-hmm. definitely do compared to the men's game. But, um, you know, it's some things are becoming a lot more accessible as well for us. And I, and I just think definitely. that is definitely um, a good feeling that things are definitely moving in the right direction. Um, and I mean, one thing that I have to applaud is something that I read about in La Liga. Now, props to Real Betis, their men's team, um, because their game fell on Monday, which, of course, was International Women's Day. And to honour the day, the club invited their 13 longest-serving female season ticket holders to the club's facilities, offered them a special shirt with their names on the back, and then ahead of kickoff, the home side lined up with each of those specially designed shirts over their match day kit. And they also had a special armband um, from the captain's armband to mark the week that is dedicated to their female members. And this, for me, I was half looking sideways at Manchester United, like, what are you playing at? Why have you not done it? Um, and I'm looking sideways at every club, really, because that's not hard to do. And imagine those 13 women that... Um, I'm, I'm judging from the pictures that, obviously, they're the longest serving, so they're bound to be more on the elderly side. Um, for your, You've supported a club, you know, all your life, and you get a phone call like that. Come down to the club... Here's your special jersey. We want to applaud you for being a woman and for supporting us. Thank you. I mean, how important are moments like that, do you guys think? Because I was just buzzing. Like, I I felt all, like, warm inside. Like, I nearly teared up when I read it. <laughs> yeah, for me, it's what it's about. It's about the fans, and I think it's giving back to those fans. And, you know, like, like I've, I've sort of said throughout the podcast, football is nothing without it. And without the fans and for them to give back on such a special day, it's just, it's amazing. And like you say, look at other clubs, you know, it's, it's easy to do. And, you know, hopefully now with potential, you know, of coming back and, you know, the FA Cup starting up, you might start seeing more little, little things like this happening. Because I think if you take, if you don't, if you sort of take advantage, I'm not saying anyone is, but if you, if you just sort of, forget about your fans especially during a time like this we need them more than ever and I think that gesture is just shows how much the fans mean to to the players to the club and it's great to see definitely no yeah I completely agree with that and I think it shows how much uh, personality women's football has in comparison to the male side um, I think it's so lovely to see clubs build a relationship with fans like this because, like Natalie said, at the end of the day, without you, without the fans, that you know, the clubs, the clubs really nothing. And you know, obviously, we felt that the missing presence of the fans so much this season 
but it's just so like you said it's so heartwarming to read stories like this and I know there's so many examples in the WSL for example where players themselves have got really close relationship with fans because you know the fans have followed them since day one and it's just that idea of giving back and just doing a small something for people who've made so many sacrifices to continue supporting women's football and help to grow the game so yeah it's a lovely story and I just that's so that's one side of the women's game I love so much is the personality that clubs have with their fans it's 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 really nice to see yeah definitely and I and I just feel like the fact that because obviously Real Betis do as we've said you know they have a, a women's team but the fact that the, the the men's team have taken part in this I think is just um it is really really cool um that they've done this and that um their manager um, Manuel Pellegrini apparently he was he was really um, enthusiastic about it, and I couldn't imagine Manuel Pellegrini being enthusiastic about much, to be honest. But apparently, <laughs> he was he was clearly, you know, uh, happy to uh, for his team to take part, um, and just the, the image of the of the men's team stood on the pitch with the shirts on. Um, yeah, it's just yeah, great great to see, and yeah, other clubs do better, <laughs> but. Um, also, I wanted to get your thoughts, guys. Like, what do you think has been the most significant change for women's football? Um, because for me, I mean, looking at like probably like moments that have happened, um, I think there's been so many massive, massive moments. And I think the um, I would probably go back to 2017 um, when it was the Euros, um, and I just feel like that year seemed to be like quite a big turning point and then I feel like the last two World Cups um but yeah I just wanted to get your thoughts on what do you think have been um the most like significant changes in women's football whether that's a point in time that you think changed something or something that has actually changed for me I think like you say the World Cups I think definitely the last one in France that was amazing um I went out to two matches watching it and just seeing the the broadcast numbers and numbers in the stadium that's really good and I think teams like this is club level now I think teams like Man United coming in I think Real Madrid coming in has had a big massive impact and it's it's you know that league is really competitive now I know Barcelona won but all you know Real Madrid potentially could finish above Atletico um, and get Champions League. Uh, and I think, sort of, like we were saying, Bayern Munich investing a lot more. I think seeing things like that, even Spurs getting a team and investing a lot into it, Leicester investing a lot into their team. I think the investment from these clubs into the women's teams and, you know, have a forming or, you know, going professional is, is good for the game. And, you know, now we're seeing more TV deals. Like you say, there's more podcasts like this. Everyone's making podcasts. It's it's the visibility is growing and it's only going to keep growing and you know it's a brilliant time to be in women's football yeah I think Nat kind of alluded to it really but what I'm I've loved to see recently is all the formation of new teams and the increase in professionalism I think clubs are now starting to really take women's football seriously they they can finally see and understand the scope of the women's game and how much potential it has to grow um, and like Nat said you know how much money is being funded into Leicester's and how many um, men's teams are starting to realise oh god let's actually make a women's team there's a demand for it there's a need for it there's a want for it um, so all these alignments with the um, like this whole one club mentality is something that I think is really positive I know Burnley recently announced plans to hope to 
professionalise their women's team and get them in the top flight by 2025 and open up their training facilities to them. And I think it's just really amazing to see, see because I think finally clubs are starting to take women's football seriously. And, you know, these whether they're big names or small names, local, grassroots, whatever the level, um, this one club mentality and, you know, it's football for all. And I think it's something really positive to see and it's something more clubs need to start taking on. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, looking across Europe, the the, the one club that we're, we're waiting on, um, which I've spoken to Ollie about, who uh, who is on the Women's Football Podcast, um, we're just waiting on Dortmund, I think, to join up in, uh, in Germany to get into that top flight. Um, and I think pretty much every big club across Europe will will then have a presence. Um, and like I say, I've spoken to Ollie about it before and I know um, as a Dortmund fan, he's frustrated and, and wants to see it happen. So fingers crossed that will happen. Um, and then just finally, towards the end of this podcast, um, what is the next important step do you believe the women's game should take? Because I, I know um, me and Nat were, were speaking before we, we hit record, um, you know, about how it's hard to kind of get the games on television and stuff like that. Things have got a little bit better, but things maybe do need to get even better. Um, but yeah, I was just thinking, what do you guys think is the next step that should be taken? Yeah, for me, it's that visibility. I think with the excitement that's going on in all these leagues at the minute, uh, like you say, the French League, Paris are sitting top. Um, German League, it's, it's Bayern. Um, like the excitement that's going on with Champions League places in, in Spain. That's something that I actually really want to see and want to be kept up to date with and know what's going on. So I think, you know, podcasts like this talking about all leagues is great but having more of these having it easily accessible um hearing more from from what's going on around the world as well not just europe but even like in england if i look uh, it's hard to watch the championship and that's you know the second tier in, in women's league and you know even to watch the third and fourth tiers that's even harder you have to be there and you know they've obviously been postponed but you know if they ever if they do when they do come back it's gonna you know you can't watch it um regularly and i think that's what we need more visibility um and that'll definitely drive up the interest yeah i think visibility is really important i completely agree and something more on home soil for me i'd love to see a bit of uh, parity in prize money I think that is the next uh, big fundamental issue in England that needs to be fixed um, I think it's frankly rather insulting and a bit of a joke that still in 2021 if we look at the FA Cup for example the prize money difference between men and women um, you know just to draw on the statistic on the statistics the total prize money for the men's FA Cup is 30 million 264,000 in comparison to the women this is a total of 309,335 wow so it's, you know, the goal... It's a slap in the face. It, it completely yeah. is. And I think it, it really is a big, like you said, a slap in the face. And, you know, it's it's the, a message sending being sent to the women's team football uh, that, you know, we don't care as much. 30 million in comparison to 300,000 is it's insulting. And if the FA are serious about making women's football more respected in England and growing the profile of the women's games, they seriously cannot, they can't stand on one leg and then carry on with the prize money like this. It's just, it's rude, it's insulting. And I think it takes so many steps back 
in women's football for all the steps that have been taken forward. So I'd love to see some sort of addressing of this. I'm not demanding equal pay from the start. You know, that's a complete and an isolated issue in itself. But I think the prize money from a football association of a country that is so, you know, they they promise so much for men and women in terms of football. I think it's an issue that has to be addressed. Definitely. Yeah, I, I agree um, 100%. It is that kind of slap in the face. And also, you're kind of sending a message out, you know, to say your football isn't as good as this football. Your football isn't as worthy as this right. as this men's football. And you know what? I've got news for you. It most definitely is just as worthy, if not more worthy, I think. Absolutely. <laughs> Well, thank you so much to both of you for joining me and we will hopefully get you both back on the podcast soon. So that's the end of our Women's Football Podcast. Big thanks to our guests, Nat and Megan. And of course, to all of you for listening. If you do want to get in touch, as always, the address is podcast at onefootball.com. And do not forget, you can head to iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, wherever you listen to all of your podcasts really to have a listen to the rest of the One Football Podcast.